This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. That is Proverbs 1920. Guys, welcome to 2024. You made it. You made it to 2024. And guys, I'm so excited for this episode. I'm rec- I'm excited to record this basically every single year because this ends up being the most shared podcast every single year. That's not, you know, a, a particular interview with a huge person. And we just love it. We love that you guys love this content. And I'll get more into the content because I know there's a lot of new people to the show that maybe have not heard this one. But before we get into that, guys, if you want to give us a New Year's present, Right. So you're, you're the first week of January of 2024. You're feeling great. How about you leave us a review and share our show with somebody else? So if you like our show and you want to give us five stars, make sure you go ahead and do that. Reminder, we are a donation based ministry. So we got a lot of donations at the end of last year from the year end giving folks. So we're so happy for that. But the only reason that we're able to keep the lights on is because we have donors just like you and. How about you treat yourself at the beginning of this year with some sweet origin gear and some Jocko fuel? So guys, I know a lot of you guys are kind of kicking up the, uh, the workout the side of new year and you know kind of new year new me and we're going to get into that more here a little bit later but some of you guys you need your protein you need your creatine you need you know some energy drinks you need all that stuff you can get that on the jocko fuel side it's all made here in the united states by a great american company use the promo code undaunted to get 10 percent off so you can check all of that out and 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 about halfway through the show today we are going to announce another brand that we are partnering with that will help take your spiritual resilience to that next level so I know on the Jocko Fuel side and, you know, on the origin side, you've got the geese and the work boots and all that. And all that stuff is great. But on the spiritual side, you need something to make that go to the next level and to level up there as well. So make sure you stick with us until about halfway through this episode, whenever we drop that. But on this episode today, oh, I just, I get so excited. I'm like so excited. It's a little bit cool here in my studio because I like to kind of, you know, warm myself up with the content I'm going to do. But we're going to continue our beginning of the year tradition with our ways to avoid being a crappy man series. Okay. And so we got the top 17 ways to avoid being a crappy man in 2024. Now, some of you guys have been here since the beginning. And so you hear these every year and guys like to use this list a myriad of different ways. Guys will save this episode and listen to it, you know, maybe once a month as a reminder. I know guys that have listened to this episode and they've actually typed out the top ways to avoid being a crappy man. And they put it on their mirror so that, you know, when they're getting ready in the morning, morning, They can check out that list. Some people save it on their background. Some people type a note in their phone. And it's just a good reminder of kind of how to put their year in order and some of the things that they need to remain focused on. But let me tell you how I went about putting this year's list together. Because as always, there will be some things on this list that are the same as last year's list. So the top 17 ways to avoid being a crappy man in 2023, you're going to see a lot of those make a reappearance on this podcast. And then there will be some that are new for 2024. So some were just on last year, some have been on every single years, but then as the year goes through, I kind of make notes to myself of some things I want guys to be thinking about. And so this year it's going to be like, you know, a constant one, one that's on most lists, and then it's going to go to one that's new for this year. And then it's going to go to one that's standard, and then it will go to a new one for this year. And the thing that I like most about recording this podcast, and then we'll jump right in. The thing that I love the most about this is it's the podcast I record in the year that has the least amount of of notes. (laughs) Like if you could see my notes, all I have on my notes are the 17 ways to avoid being a crappy man in 2024. So I don't know what I'm going to say because I put this list together about a week or two ago. It's going to be recorded about a week before you guys hear it. And so I I can't remember all 17 of them. So I'm just going to have to kind of flow with whatever is on the list. But guys, this is a great 
episode to share. I'll tell you that from the very beginning. I know that sounds self-serving and maybe a little bit narcissistic, but this is the one where guys are like, look, man, you know, here are the things that I need to do to get more spiritually, mentally, and physically resilient. Here are the things I need to do to be a better man, a better father, a better husband, a better Christian, a better, you know, whatever brother, you know, a church attendee, whatever the thing is, share this episode around. It's super easy to do. If you're listening on Spotify, it's too Two clicks, two buttons, right? Same thing on Apple Podcasts, same thing on YouTube. Just share this thing around. So here we go, guys. Here are your ways to avoid being a crappy man in 2024. And these are in no particular order, but make sure you stick with us all the way to the end. So here's number one, again, in no particular order. Become a weapon. Now, this is a derivative of what we called in 2023, learn to fight. Because when you say learn to fight, some people think they already know how to fight. Because there are those people out there, they're like, you know, I'm just going to see red, you know, right? And if something were to happen and someone were to, to assault my wife or someone were to try to do something to my kids, I would just see red and I'd be able to react. And you are a fool if you believe that. <laughs> like, bless you if you believe that. Because if you have no fight training, unless you're like 400 pounds with abs and, you know, six foot 10 or something like that, okay, then you can probably get away with not training that much and not really knowing the ins and outs of throwing a proper punch or taking someone to the ground. But for the rest of us normies, we have to train. And here's the other thing. There are people that don't know how to fight physically with their body, but they know how to use a firearm. Maybe they've gone to some training, maybe they, maybe they carry in the appendix position and they can pull it out and get on target really fast. And maybe they've learned how to fight with, you know, fixed blade knives like this one here from Montana Knife Company. Like maybe they carry that on their ankle and they can get after it with that. But what a lot of these people have failed to realize is you're not always going to have those things at your disposal. You're not always going to have your concealed carry weapon. Maybe you get in a fight at an airport. Maybe you're on vacation, you had to fly somewhere. Maybe you're out of the country or just not where you normally are, and you didn't travel with any of your weaponry. And when you got on the ground, it wasn't the first thing you did. You didn't go to a gun store and buy a new firearm that you were going to leave there with somebody or go, you know, get something that you can fight with a knife or something like that. And so in that scenario, what are you going to do? Like, what's your plan? I, again, I just talk to these guys all the time that are just completely delusional about their ability to defend themselves and their families. And these are big guys, little guys is typically worse with big guys because they think, well, I'm six foot two. I'm, no one's ever going to mess with me. It's like, really? Do you want me to show you a dozen videos that I can find in two seconds of huge guys getting smoked by somebody else? And so in 2024, this is the year that you need to focus on becoming a weapon yourself. I'm not anti-firearm. I think you should carry. I'm not anti-fixed blade weapons. I think you should carry those as well. But if you don't know how to take someone to the ground and keep them there until help arrives, you're, you're not doing what you should be doing. If you don't know how to end a fight once you get it to the ground, right, by passing the person unconscious or breaking a limb, which will cause them to not really want to fight anymore, then what exactly are you prepared for? Also, if you don't know how to throw a proper punch, throw a kick, any of those types of things, if you don't know how to create space with somebody, to where you can run away, which is probably the best first uh, line of defense in these types of situations, then what are you doing? Again, when the wolf comes for you, or when you find yourself in that kinetic situation where you need to be able to physically respond, you will fall to the level of your training. And so if you are not a weapon yourself, you will become a victim. And think about it this way. If you're in a situation where you're trying to defend somebody else, whether it be a family member, a loved one, or a complete stranger, 
If you're ill-equipped to do that, what makes you think you're going to get lucky? And I want to be completely clear here. So you need to be training one of the following, because when I say learn to become a weapon, I do not mean karate. I do not mean Wing Chun. I do not mean Kung Fu. I do not mean Jeet Kune Do. I don't mean any of these fighting modalities that basically have no basis in reality and wouldn't work in a real fight in any circumstance ever. If you want evidence of that, watch the UFC and watch the different styles of fighting that are represented and tell me why the Bullshido stuff that you see on Instagram, like the, the people using people's chi and power and like touching them on certain spots of their neck and making them pass out. Just tell me that that stuff's real when you watch guys, you know, fight for a living. This is what I mean. You need to be doing jujitsu and wrestling. If you go to a good jujitsu school, you're going to get both. And jujitsu is pretty ubiquitous now. It's all over the place. It's exploded. I also want you to start training Western boxing and or kickboxing. So some places you'll be able to get both, but typically those are, are kind of truncated or not truncated, but, you know, uh, put in their own silos or whatever. And so you can maybe find an MMA gym that has all of this. But and the other one that I would add is Muay Thai. And so if you're training some sort of a striking modality like Western boxing, kickboxing or Muay Thai, and then you add in the ground component of a jujitsu and a wrestling and you might even throw judo in there. But make sure you are learning ways to end the fight on the feet and on the ground while realizing that striking can be really fun and smacking those pads can sound really awesome. And, and that's all great. And I think you should do that. But a lot of fights end up on the ground. And if this is like a major full on fight, like someone that's trying to hurt you or kill you or hurt your family or kill your family or hurt somebody in public or something like that. This is not someone that's going to be okay with just point fighting on the feed and, you know, touching and going and playing and stuff like that. These are people that are going to go rogue. They're going to go crazy. And that's the type of person you need to be able to get onto the ground on in your circumstances based on the things that you do. Get them on the ground and be able to end the fight either with a choke or with a break. So in 2024, become a weapon. All right. Number two way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024. When it comes to your family, think of yourself last. Okay, so this is a new one for this year. Now, this is one that's a great reminder for me as well, because I like doing things my way. I like getting my way. I like going to the restaurant I want to go to. I like listening to the song I want to listen to. I like everybody doing exactly what I want them to do. And this is going to come as a shock to literally no one here that has a wife and kids. That doesn't always seem to matter, does it? Your wife has a mind of her own and her own preferences. Your kids certainly have a crazy mind of their own and their own preferences. But I'll, I'll say that I thought of this one because Ryan from the forging table, so or the horn, as, as he might have been called, I remember him talking about a vacation that he went on with his family, and he just kind of went into this vacation with a different mindset, and it helped improve the overall, I don't know, outcome of the vacation because there were a lot of things that didn't go his way. There are a lot of things that he wished would have been different, but he just went in with the mindset of, me last, me last, me last, serve your wife, serve the kids, me last. And it worked out really, really well for them. And so I suck at this. I super duper suck at this. And it's because I, I'm naturally selfish, especially when it comes to things with my family and things that I want to do and places that I want to go. But when it comes to your family, think of yourself last. Because if you go into a situation with that mindset, whether it's before a vacation or a family outing or just some sort of decision that you need to make, maybe you got young kids, maybe you have older kids, whatever. If you think of yourself last, you're practicing servanthood. You're, you're practicing shepherding in a way as well. 
Because again, when you're shepherding animals, you can't think about yourself. You have to think about the animals. And no, I'm not calling your wife and kids an animal, but to a degree, you have the role of headship over your household. And so if you're constantly worried about what you need and and what your desires are and whether your needs are being met and all that, it's going to become a major problem for you. So number two way, again, in no particular order to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, when it comes to your family, think of yourself last. All right, now let's get to number three. Give the person in front of you your full attention. Now, that's the same as something from 2024, but I'm going to give you an addition to this one from last year. So give the person in front of you your full attention and get rid of your godforsaken smartwatch. I swear to absolute everything holy in this world, I cannot stand smartwatches. As I'm sitting here with a Garmin smartwatch on my wrist, but this smartwatch has no notifications. I've turned all the notifications off. So I don't get a notification when I'm getting a phone call, when I'm getting a text message, when I've reached whatever goal there is for that day. I'm not getting a notification at all from my wrist because I'm already getting enough from this thing, from this supercomputer I put in my pocket, which is like a vestigial organ that's attached to my hand at almost all times of the day. But the number of times that I've been in a meeting with somebody or having a conversation with somebody or watching somebody in a meeting, in a conversation, on a date at a restaurant or something like that, and they're listening to the person, they're pecking corn, they're pretending like they're listening, and then they just look down at the wrist, and then they, they keep listening. Well, guess what? You've broken your attention with that person. And so we would consider it rude if we were sitting at a restaurant. Let's, let's just say a meeting. So you're meeting with somebody over coffee. And if you get a text message and you just pick up your phone and look at it while they're talking, mind you, Imagine how rude that would be. Now, it's already bad enough that people leave their phones on them or face up. And so every time they get a message, they look down at their phone again while the other person is talking. But what you're communicating to that person is that what they're saying is not important. Now, you may not actually think that, but when you divert your attention away to something else, you're communicating to them, whatever you're saying right now is not as important as whatever just popped up on my phone, whatever type of notification that it is. And so if you have a smartwatch, I'm not anti-smartwatch in general, because maybe you're wearing it so you, you can track your heart rate, or maybe you're wearing it uh, because it, it helps you with your business in some way. I know for my wife shooting weddings uh, for a lot of years, you know, if you take your phone out constantly to look at the schedule for the day, it looks like you're not paying attention to your job. But if it's on your wrist, people don't really pay attention to it. But again, just think about it this way. Let's say you were sitting in front of somebody that's just wearing a regular old watch, not a smartwatch, but a, a Casio or a G-Shock or something like that. And if you're talking, if they're constantly looking at their wrist, it's communicating that you're bored. You're checking the time. Gosh, is this story over yet? Gosh, do I get to leave this conversation or interaction yet? That's what you're communicating to somebody. But if someone's in front of you, if they're giving you the one thing that they can't get back, which is their ability to control time, which we don't have the ability to control time, but if they're giving you their time, the least that you can do is give them your attention. So the number three way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, give the person in front of you your full attention and get rid of your smartwatch.
Hey guys, real quick, I've talked about this on the show before, but I've been experimenting with the idea of getting on the carnivore diet. And so I've got a good buddy, Chad Robichaux, who's been on the podcast that he's been on the carnivore diet for a while. He's seen a lot of great success. But the big thing that I've been worrying about is like, where do I get high quality beef? Like where exactly can I get beef where I can trust that's coming from a reputable source that it doesn't have a bunch of junk that's been in it. And I've been looking for a cattle operation partner to really partner up with. And that's why I want to introduce you to the new official beef delivery partner of Undaunted Life, and that's my friends at Primal Beef. So Primal Beef is a brand new cattle operation owned and operated by Sean Glass. So he is a retired Navy SEAL that served with Jocko Willing, and Jocko is also a partner in Primal Beef. So what makes Primal Beef different from the other fly-by-night beef delivery companies? It's a combination of the following. So it's all-American black Angus cattle. The beef comes from one farm, and that's in Virginia's Shenandoah Valley. Also, the beef is all natural. There are no, no hormones added ever, no antibiotics ever, no mRNA ever. And here's a cool thing. After slaughter, the beef is dry-aged, and then it's hand-cut by artisan butchers and then flash-frozen to ensure that it maintains the tenderness and marbling and flavor that you'll want by the time it gets to you. And here's another cool thing. For every box sold, guys, Primal Beef donates meat directly to a member of America's Special Operations Forces through the C4 Foundation. So you can take pride in knowing that your purchase will help literally put food on the table for one of America's finest warriors. So are you salivating yet? Because if not, you should be. Guys, try Primal Beef out today by going to www.primalbeef.com. That will be in the show notes. That's primalbeef.com. Use the promo code Kyle. That's my first name, K-Y-L-E, Kyle, for 10% off of your order. Again, that is primalbeef.com. Use the code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, to get 10% off of your order. All right, guys, the number four way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, make a gratitude list. So this is a new one for 2024, but the reason why I do this is because my good buddy and mentor, Joby Martin, the, ch the pastor of Church of 1122 down in Florida, something that he talks about, um, he's talked about with me personally, but from the pulpit multiple times, is he has a gratitude list on his phone. And so for every year that he's been alive, he has one thing that he's grateful for. Some of them might be huge things. Some of them might be seems that seem, uh, things that might seem a little bit vapid, but they're important to him. And so... And it did, you know, this kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier. I always like my preferences and for my way and all those types of things. So I can come off as ungrateful sometimes. And for me also, I move on from the positive things really quickly, but I kind of stick on the negative things. That's why I don't read my comments. That's why I don't read my reviews. I want you guys to give me reviews, but I could get a hundred five-star reviews in a row and people like pour their heart out in the comments and, oh, this is so great. And I just love this stuff and it's made me so much better and blah, blah, blah. But that one person is like, yeah, I just don't really get it. I don't like the metal music. It's scary. It's satanic. Oh, why does he scream so much? Oh, I don't like his opinion on this one issue that he brought up on 500 plus episodes. So I'm going to give him a two star review. I will focus on those little crappy nothing comments from trolls. And so that's why I just don't go there. But one thing that's kind of helped kind of recharge me, and I'm actually going to bring up my gratitude list here in just a second so I can read it to you, is having this list puts me in the mindset of I want to make sure to complete the list. And so I have 37 things on my list, but I'm going to be turning 38 this year. 
right? So I need to be thinking, what's that thing that I need to add to this list? And this is kind of like our book list. I'm going to keep adding stuff to the list and taking things away just as I'm grateful for these things. But it's a good reminder just to kind of go through this. You know, if, if you're injured or if you're having problems at home or if you're having problems at work or if you're not really performing in the way that you want to perform in all areas of life, going back to a gratitude list is a great thing. So I'm going to actually read mine real quick and then we'll move on to the next thing here. But here are the 37 things, one for every year I've been alive that I am grateful for. My salvation, Kelsey, my wife, James, my first son, Eli, my second son, my father, the Bible and how it got to us in modernity, the United States of America, the U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights, Joby, Martin's mentorship and friendship, Faith Bible Church, which is my church here in Edmond, Oklahoma, my boys going to their school that they are in right now, Roman, my dog, my best friend in the whole world, my foxhole, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and my, my gym, The Forge, here in Edmond, my truck, all of the international travel I've done, my home gym, hunting on my buddy Adam's land, hunting on my buddy Heath's land, my podcast audience, Undaunted Life Overall, The Undaunted Life Donors, The Forging Table, my book collection, my physical health and athleticism at my age, UFC fight nights, good whiskey, good cigars, whiskey and cigar nights. Yes, all those things are different and preferably whiskey and cigar nights on my porch. The podcast that I listen to, my flexible work schedule, my partnership with Origin and Jocko Fuel, meat. Yeah, just meat. Just meat in general. I'm very, very thankful for that. Taste buds, my favorite music, mountains, and my voice recovery up to this point. So again, some of those here are going to be like, well, those are kind of lame. Well, it's not your freaking list. <laughs> Make your own list. And the great thing about it, dude, dudes, the great thing about it, guys, that I would love for you to do is do it on your phone. Okay. So I can check this out at any time. Maybe you're a journal person and you like to write things down, but I'm assuming your journal's not on you at all times in your cargo pocket. So if you have it on your phone and you think of something, maybe you have 15 things on your list and you're 45 years old and you got a few to go. As you think about it, just add it to the list. Don't really like kind of, oh, you know, vacillate back and forth and I don't really know. And is this a big enough deal? Just put it on the list. You can always edit the list later, but I really, really enjoy having this. And it's a, it's a great habit that I've created. So I'm very thankful to Pastor Joby Martin for helping me think through that and, and uh, to go ahead and do that. It's just something that all guys have to do. So the number four way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, make a gratitude list. Again, one for every year that you've been alive. All right. The number five way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024. Don't let sports ruin your night. This one is going to be on every single one of these episodes until this show is no mas. Do not let sports ruin your night. <clears throat> now, I know a lot of you guys in this audience, you're sports fans. You're just like me. You've got your favorite teams. You've got your favorite fighters. You've got your favorite leagues. And if you're anything like me, you've allowed your fandom to dictate how you act. How you are around your family. How you are around your friends. Some of you have lost friendships because of the way that you've acted because of an outcome to a sports game. Some of you have potentially been kicked out of your homes or been told by people, look, I can't watch these games with you when this team is playing because you're a lunatic. Perhaps some of you have gotten in fights because of the outcomes of games that you've watched. Perhaps some of you have broken things, punched walls, or done any of those types of things because of the outcome of a game that you are not playing in. Now, most of the things I just mentioned, guys, I've done. So without going into all the background, 
Huge St. Louis Cardinals fan. Been a Cardinals fan my entire life. Back in 2012, I actually worked for Major League Baseball where I was representing the St. Louis Cardinals as their super mega fan. Watched every single game and I lived and died with every pitch. Now, baseball fans know this. There's 162 games in the regular season and then there's playoffs. It's a lot of pitches. It's a lot of hits. It's a lot of strikeouts. It's a lot of home runs. It's a lot of double plays. It's a lot of disappointing endings and a lot of walk-offs. And I would let, like literally, the Cardinals would lose a game in June, right, in the middle of the summer, and I would let it affect me until the next day's game. I would go to bed pissed off. I would wake up pissed off. I wouldn't talk to my wife. I would be short with people at work because the Cardinals lost a game on a Tuesday in the middle of the summer. And I look back on that time period, guys, and I'm so embarrassed. I remember going to a World Series game for the Cardinals. They lost in the ninth inning. The the closer gave up. Uh, It was Jason Mott. He gave up some hits, gave up some runs. Cardinals ended up losing that game. I think it was uh, game two of the 2013 World Series. There was a friend in Missouri, close to St. Louis, that was allowing me and my wife to stay at their home Uh, so that we could, you know, not have to drive back in the middle of the night. Like, yeah, just come on over and stay there. And by the time I got to their house after the game, I I still couldn't speak because I was so mad that the St. Louis Cardinals didn't win a baseball game. So I treated this family so rudely, and they had little kids and everything, because I just couldn't speak. Why? Because I was mad. I was mad that my team didn't win the game. What an embarrassing fool I was. And so that changed. I don't know what exactly changed, but in my early 30s, I was like, enough of this. And at the time, I was still watching the NBA. I was a big Thunder fan. And, you know, I would react the same way to Thunder losses as I would to the St. Louis Cardinals. So this is what I do now. If I really care about the outcome of a game, I probably won't even watch it. Which to you, if you're a big fan of a particular college football team or a big fan of a particular NHL team or something, you'd be like, wait a minute, what? You're not going to watch the OU Sooners bowl game. I'm not an OU fan, but you might. I know a lot of OU fans listen to this. Wait, you're not going to watch the game? Wait, you're not going to watch this college football playoff game? Wait, you're not going to watch this second round Stanley uh, Stanley Cup playoff game? Well, no, I'm not. Because when I start to feel that angry ginger energy coming up through my, my stomach and working its way into my chest, I'm like, oop, turn it off. I'll wake up the next morning, I'll check my phone. Oh, they lost her. Oh, they won. And then I move on. And the reason why I want to do that is because I don't want my sons to see me overreacting to something that I have no input on. Yeah, maybe you're a huge fan, man. You just love your Kansas City Chiefs. Gosh, you just love your Sacramento Kings. You just, and you just love this particular fighter. I get it. It can be fun. But if it starts affecting your mood in a deleterious way, and starts affecting your relationship with your wife, if your kids are mimicking your ridiculous response to a first down or a sack or a home run or a goal, dude, cut it off. I think about it this way. I cut off watching St. Louis Cardinals, uh, like playoff games, important games. I cut off watching like fighters that I really wanted to win or something like that, which I don't really have that problem anymore. And you know how, how much worse my life has gotten? Not at all. Hasn't gotten worse at all. Like, not even a little bit. And you might be like, Kyle, but you're missing out on all these these great events. And what about that walk-off home run that you mentioned, blah, 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 and all that? 
but that is of no value to me when compared to being a good example for my children and being a, a good supporter of my wife. I remember my wife when I was in my 20s, this is before we had kids, she was like, I can't, like at different points when I was freaking out about the Cardinals and all oh, they lost and I'm so mad, I got to go for a run right now in the middle of the night because I'm so mad. And her saying to me, you are, you are a fool and I can't imagine having kids with someone like you. Now that may seem like a pretty rough quote, but there's a reason why I remember it right now as I'm recording. Because she was right. How can you have kids with a kid? Right? Someone that's acting like a fully grown up child. And again, I'm not telling you guys don't be a sports fan. I'm not telling you that you, you can't watch sports. Obviously, I would never tell you to do that. But again, if you're letting the athletic performance of, in some cases, teenagers dictate whether or not you're going to be a good person, whether or not you're going to comport yourself in a way that Christ would want you to comport yourself, then you need to stop it. Find a way to not do it anymore. So number five way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, don't let sports ruin your night. All right. The number six way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, do incredibly difficult physical things that constantly check your ego and your limits. That's a new one for 2024. I'll repeat it. Do incredibly difficult physical things that constantly check your ego and your limits. So this is a derivative, I think, of what I said last year, which is make sure that you redline at least once a week. So redlining for people is different. So maybe redlining for you is you got to the end of that set where you would normally stop at five reps and you did two extra reps. Or maybe you're on the Airdyne bike and you're doing that, you know, 30 cal sprint at the end of a 25 minute, you know, Tabata workout. Maybe it's that extra jujitsu round that you would normally skip because you're gassed out. But you get to that point where you feel like you're absolutely redlined and you can't do anymore. But the reason why I changed it to do incredibly difficult physical things that constantly check your ego and your limits is because there are people that will redline at the stuff they're good at. So for my triathletes out there, you'll redline running, swimming, or biking. You're fine to redline doing that, but you will keep yourself from redlining doing something like grappling, jujitsu, because you can't control that. Maybe you're amazing at powerlifting, right? So you're, you know, deadlifting over 700 pounds, you're benching over 400, you're squatting over 500, and you're that guy. And so you're fine to redline doing that type of stuff. You can't remember the last time you did cardio, though. <laughs> You've never ran a sprint, right? Because that's more difficult because you're not very fast. And so you're going to focus on the things that you're good at because of your ego. Because you have limitations. And you're letting your ego dictate whether or not you're going to get past those limitations. And so I think of this constantly because I'll kind of lull myself to sleep a little bit. I'll go two or three months doing the stuff I'm good at. And then I'll realize, ooh, I haven't really redlined on something that's checking my ego in a while. Or maybe I have a good couple of weeks, which is typically as long as it lasts, a good couple of weeks where I don't have anybody really smoke me in jujitsu. Like I'm in control during my roles. I'm understanding what's being taught by the professor and I'm doing well during drilling and those types of things. And then it's like, okay, I need to go to the class where the sharks are. Yeah, I need to roll with Jet Thompson, who's a 16-year-old killer who's going to be a world champion someday. A kid that I've never scored on. He's 16 and just got his brown belt. I need to go roll with Jet. I need to go roll with Livingston. I need to go roll with Steve. I need to go roll with Aldo. I need to go roll with Austin. I need to go roll with Jake. These guys at my gym that uh, most of those guys I just mentioned, I've, I've almost never scored on. I can count probably on my two hands the number of points I've scored on all those people combined. Looks like I need to go roll with those guys. 
because I need an ego check. Because I don't want to get to this point where I'm like, oh, I'm this fully put together thing as it comes to jujitsu. But then as most people know, you can be in jujitsu shape, but not be in running shape. You can be in running shape and not be in swimming shape. You can be in swimming shape, but not be in grappling shape, whatever the situation is. So you need to identify those things in your life that you've been avoiding because you know what they are. Of all those things that I've mentioned, you know which one you've been avoiding. That is available to you. Not everybody has a pool that they can swim in or something like that. But you know the thing that is available to you. And you need to go towards those things, not run away. Because the things that are incredibly difficult to do physically are the things that are going to push you to that next level physically. A lot of you guys want to be in peak athletic condition and peak shape. Well, how do you expect to do that if you're constantly ignoring the areas of your life that you're weak at? Like, what exactly are you planning to do? But the biggest thing is an ego check. Because I remember listening to some of, you know, some of those dangerous guys that I mentioned earlier in jujitsu. And then they'll be like, oh man, I went and ran with my buddy who's like, who was like a miler in high school, guy that runs 5Ks and he's always in like the top three finishers or something like that. Oh boy, was that an ego check. Guys, you need that. Maybe you have that guy that's more of like the powerlifting guy, but then he went and worked out with a guy that's more of like a uh, maximum reps type guy. Or maybe you're the powerlifting guy and you haven't focused on your flexibility. You haven't touched your toes since you were two years old. And then you go work out with somebody that's doing more calisthenic based things, things that require you to be able to stretch and move and put your body in awkward positions. Look for those opportunities, guys. If you want to get better in 2024, that's a way to do it. So the number six way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, do incredibly difficult physical things that constantly check your ego and your limits. All right, guys, the number seven way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, get involved in a local church. Now, for some of you might be like, "Mm, I'm just going to kind of skip one. I get it. But let me pause you for a second. So we've gotten a lot of new listeners to the show. So that came a lot on the heels of the Mike Glover interview that I did in late November, early December. And the questions I'm getting are the same questions over and over. Some of those that we're going to address soon, guys, we have something that we're going to start and release here in the first quarter of 2023, or first quarter of 2024, rather, that it should absolutely change the way that we've entered into the fight to push back darkness. So I'll give you more announcements on that when we have them, but just be patient with us. But a lot of guys are like, hey, I live in Lexington, Kentucky. Is there a church in my area I should go to? Hey, I live in Yukon, Oklahoma. Is there a church that I should go to? Hey, I live in, you know, wherever'sville, Texas. Is there a church that I can go to? And what I've told guys is like, look, you're looking for me to give you the cheat code to the church in your area that I think would be good for you. I can't even answer that question for my city because I go to one church and I attended one other one before that. And I've, you know, visited a few others. So I have generalized opinions, but those opinions are 10 years old. And so someone in my city, I can't give them a a direct line to here's where you should be going and here's the places that you should avoid. So why would you think I could do that in your city? What you should do is go to a local congregation and look for a few things. I'll try to remember because I've given this advice a lot lately. Number one, are the men there? Are there manly men present? Are are they volunteering? Are, Are they singing? Are they serving? Are they leading their families? Or do you see a bunch of women with their kids and the father's nowhere to be found? Or are you in a congregation where it's just a bunch of old guys that have just been there their entire life, so they're just going to keep going? Because if the men aren't there and aren't involved, that's probably not a healthy church. Number two, is the word being exposited and exegeted? So are they going verse by verse through the Bible, through certain books of the Bible, 
in exegeting the scripture, which means basically displaying exactly what the text means? Or are they doing a TED Talk and eisegeting? So a TED Talk is basically, okay, I'm going to come up with the top four ways to, you know, be a better, you know, servant this year. And then I'm going to sprinkle some Bible verses over the top of it on the back end, right? And eisegeting is what I wish the text would say, right? I'm going to make it fit for this point that I'm trying to make so I seem cool and get more Instagram followers, right? Because if that's what you're getting, what I just described, don't go there. That's, that's spiritual milk. You need meat, okay? So that's, that's another thing to kind of look at. And some other things to look at is, can I serve here? Because we all look at this as consumers. What can the church do for me? Oh, I left that church because they weren't really serving my needs. Well, if you go back to the first century church and the ecclesia model, you know who was asking that question? Nobody. They were asking how they could serve, how their skill set, how their callings, how their gifting could serve the local body of believers. So if you go to a church that has 20,000 people that attend or 200 people that attend or 50 people that attend, can you serve there? Is there something that that church needs that's a gap that you can fill? Again, don't go into the church shopping process like what church is going to meet my best needs? What music is more aligned with my taste? What type of preaching? Like, you know, is the coffee warm when I get there? Do they have snacks? Don't go into it that way because that's selfish. Go into it thinking, can I serve here? So guys, the number seven way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, get involved in a local church. All right, guys, the number eight way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, study the Bible with other men. So this is one that was just like last year. I said this last year on 2023. Obviously, that springboarded us into the release of the forging table, which uh, those of you that are not aware, the forging table is where once a week I record, I sit down and record with three other laymen, so non-pastors, non-professional Christians, and we just go an hour at a time, a, a chapter at a time through books of the Bible. And the thing is, is I've gotten a tremendous amount of value out of that, just preparing to do that. But also the guys that are part of the forging table for the rotation of guys that we have, they've gotten a tremendous amount of value as well because they're learning on their own. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is revealing things to them, but they're also learning things with other guys. And so this is a tremendously big asset. And what we try to do with Undaunted Life is make it, make it easier for you to do that. So with Crossway, we have that thing that I talk about in basically every episode of the Forging Table. There's this Forging Table starter set. So it's five books that kind of help you dig into the Bible. So there's a men's study Bible, there's a journal, there's a few other books there that can kind of help you. But this is where I want to announce a new partnership, and that's with Logos Bible Software. And so I'll just flow on this very shortly. There's not a more powerful Bible software on the planet than Logos. And so there's, there's a link that will be here in the show notes. It's just logos.com backslash undaunted life. That's L-O-G-O-S.com backslash undaunted life. If you use that link, you're going to get five free digital books with your Logos subscription. There's different subscription tiers and all that. I'll let you figure that out on your own. I, I'm not going to you know belittle your intelligence. You can read. But basically, this is a software that you can dig as far into the scripture as you want to go. So if you want to be a full-on theologian, academician, and really dig into the Greek and the Hebrew and how it relates to this and that and whatever and verb tenses and everything, you can do that. Or if you just want to know, man, I can't remember who wrote the Colossians. I need to figure that out. Every single thing that you could possibly ever want, just about every question that you've ever had about the Bible, a particular chapter, a particular verse, a particular word can be discovered within that Bible software. 
now. I'm a novice user of that because I just started using it. But they reached out to us. We're like, hey, looks like you're trying to level guys up with the scripture. And you know, I met with them and we kind of figured out, okay, here are some things that you can do with that particular software. So if you're creating your own group of men to study the Bible with together, gosh, this is an asset, especially if you're leading the group. Because if you're leading the group, that doesn't mean you need to kind of you know, be this, this guy that can answer every single question. But I've yet to find you know, a, a pathway in Logos that didn't lead to me getting my question answered. And within the Logos software, you have a commentary. So maybe you're a John MacArthur guy. Well, all of his commentaries are there. Maybe you have this particular translation of the Bible. If you want to see what Spurgeon said about this particular passage, all that stuff is, is in there. You've got genealogies. You've got maps. You've got um, word studies. You've, you've got different translations, different languages. It's all in there. So guys, at least check it out. If you sign up and feel like it's for you, great, you know, two thumbs up. But that is going to be in the show notes again. The link is logos.com backslash undaunted life. But guys, the number eight way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, study the Bible with other men. All right, the number nine way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024. And gosh, I've been waiting for this one. I've kind of teed it up and talked about it a little bit, but here it is. Stop giving money to people that hate you and your values. So this is a new one for this year, but Stop giving money to people that hate you and your values. Here's the thing that I don't understand about conservatives. Conservatives love to point at things inside the culture war. They like to share memes. They like to share outrageous stories. You know, there's a few people in the conservative space that their only thing that they contribute to the conservative space is I'm angry about this and you should be angry too. Can you believe that this is happening? Oh gosh, we should do something about this. They're very good on, you know, describing something but they're not good at prescribing anything that they're, they're very good at, you know, (laughs) opposing something, but they don't propose anything, but I want to give some specific examples, Bud Light, Disney, Nike, Target, Starbucks. Like there's all these different brands. So let's, let's go with them in order. So Bud Light already talked about on the year and wrap up episode. Conservatives won. They almost destroyed that brand. And now they're coming back to Bud Light. Oh, Bud Light's haven't had enough. Bud Light didn't apologize. Anheuser-Busch didn't say, yeah, we should, we should have never gone against, uh, you know, our, our target audience by, you know, getting into bed literally with Dylan Mulvaney or in the tub, I guess you could say. And then we're just like, yeah, but I, I kind of like Bud Light. It's convenient. It's at 7-Eleven. So I'll, I'll just buy it. Disney is one of the most egregious ones because Disney has signaled that they are actively putting LGBTQ plus content into, ki- into kids' content, and they're targeting your children, they're grooming them to get them more used to LGBTQ lifestyles, and you weirdos are, are going to Disneyland and going to Disney World, and you have Disney Plus subscriptions. What are you doing? I, d- I don't understand it. There are men with beards wearing dresses, and you are paying I don't know, 500 bucks for, for the opportunity to have your daughter go into this princess factory and interact with a dude, an autogynophilic dude that is turned on sexually by the sight of himself dressed up in women's clothing. And you see no issue with it. You're dropping five, 10 grand on a Disney trip. I don't get it. Target is selling LGBTQ plus content and satanic stuff made by satanic people in their kids section. Ah, but you really like some of their brands and their clothes are cooler than Walmart's. 
So you keep shopping at Target. Starbucks gives an unbelievable amount of money to a bunch of left-wing causes, including Planned Parenthood. So when you buy that latte, you a portion of that is going to kill babies. And you keep going because it's convenient. It's on my way to work. Ah, this, this isn't really the hill to die on. So if that's where you're at, I have to ask you, what hill is worth dying on? What line are you going to draw? Netflix is another one. I've talked about this before. So they've got the Coco Melon offshoot show where you have the two gay fathers that are sitting there singing and dancing with their, you know, child, their son, who's dressed up like a girl. And they're, they're talking about how this is a great thing. How about the cuties movie where it's a bunch of preteen girls that are dancing in suggestive and sexual ways for the pleasure of pedophilic men. You still give your money to Netflix. Why? Well, because they have shows that I like to watch. Again, for some of you, this isn't the ultimate hill to die on. But this is very serious and important. The only way that you can send messages to these big brands that says stop doing these things that are counter to what what I want my values and my family to be, the only way to communicate to that, to, that to them is to stop giving them your money. Because... I don't believe you when you say that you're outraged about something that these brands do and then you hand them your money. It's the easiest thing to turn off. We can't pretend like there aren't other brands out there. So if you like Bud Light, switch to Miller Lite. If you like Disney, switch to Bent Key, the Daily Wire Kids app. If you like Nike, switch to Under Armour. If you like Target, switch to Walmart or basically any other store in your area. If you like Starbucks, go to Black Rifle Coffee. And now here's the deal. If you start looking at all the brands that you spend money on in a month and you're trying to piece together, you know, what does the board of directors think and where do they give their money and all that, you will run yourself into the ground. So I'm not suggesting that you do that because you might get to the point where you're like, I can't support any brand and and you might end up in that place. But these huge brands that are targeting you and your children that are trying to destroy morality in and of itself that are doing things that lead to the death of children because of the money they give to Planned Parenthood and other organizations like it. Well, those are the ones that are screaming in your face. This isn't some random like, you know, pin company that you're finding out that what is this pin? This Pintel. I don't know if Pintel supports any of these things. I should probably check it out because I use these pins all day, every day. But I know for sure that Netflix and Disney and Bud Light and Nike and Target and Starbucks and all these companies, I know what they're about. So how easy is it for me to turn off that spigot? It's pretty easy. So again, to all you people out there that are just like brain dead going through your, your, your world, really think about that. And also, if you normally shop at Target and you stop doing that and your kids are like, hey, why aren't we going to Target? Doesn't that set you up for a great conversation about morality and what your family's going to stand up for? Because if my kid says, dad, I want to go to Disney World. Why can't we go to Disney World? I'm going to have a conversation and explain to him. Look, son, Thompson's don't support companies that are for these things. That's a great teaching lesson. And if your spouse is, doesn't really understand why you're so adamant about these things, that's a great time to lead your spouse and say, look, honey, I, I know you've gone to Starbucks for, for a long time. And I know that's where you like to do a lot of your meetings and blah, blah, and all these types of things. But there are 47 other coffee shops in this city. And I think we should support those. And this is why Starbucks gives X amount of dollars to Planned Parenthood every year. And I don't really like the fact that they murder babies. That's like their main thing that they bring to the marketplace. So guys, this is probably the one that I'm most adamant about for this year, but you've really got to get after it on this one. So the number nine way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, stop giving money to people that hate you and your values. 
All right, guys, number 10. And this is one that I put out every single year. <clears throat> the number 10 way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024. No porn, no jerking off. Yep. For some of you, that's a shock. For those of you that have been with the show for a long time, that's not going to be a shock to you. The thing that I realize about my audience, that it's, you know, 90% male or so, is that a lot of you struggle with pornography. Some of you don't think it's that big a deal. I would say that's the minority of you guys, but a lot of you guys know you shouldn't be doing it. And the reason why I know that you know that you shouldn't be doing it is because you don't do it in public. You're not sitting there in a business meeting unless you're, you know, tubing from CNN. You're not in a business meeting pulling out, you know, porn on your phone and masturbating to it. This is a private thing for basically all of you that aren't, you know, public voyeurs. And so you're watching porn. You're getting your sexual scripts from porn. You're trying to carry some of the things that you've seen in porn into the bedroom with your spouse or with your girlfriend or with any of those types of people. <clears throat> and you're thinking to yourself, ah, this isn't having any effects. Now I can tell you without a doubt, there's a book that's on our book list, uh, How Pornography Harms, written by John Fobert. That's a book that tells you what you're doing to your brain. Is it any shock to you that you don't get off on in the same way to those pictures that you did when you were a teenager? Maybe you grew up looking at Playboys or, you know, pictures on the internet or something like that, but now you're watching hardcore porn. You're watching women getting anally raped and you're masturbating to that. Some of you have gone all the way to like snuff porn or murder porn. Yes, there is porn out there. I have not seen it, but I, I know people that have where you're watching somebody that is in the process of being raped and then they're murdered while being raped. And you're watching that with an erection and you're masturbating. Help me understand how this is a valuable thing for you to do. Because this is the thing that I know. To those of you that are not married yet, I've heard this over and over and it never works out. They think, oh, when I get married, I'll be having so much sex. Some of you are already laughing. But when I get married, I'll be having so much sex, I won't even need porn. I'll just have my wife. Let me just break the news to you guys. You're not going to end up having a whole lot of sex with your wife all the time. It's just not going to happen. There's a lot of things that are involved in that, but you're not going to be having sex as often as you were jerking off because most of you guys were doing that every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. And now, if you're blessed to have a wife like that, good for you. But for the most part, you're not going to have somebody, a spouse that's like that. I know people that have been caught looking at porn and jerking off on their wedding night. I know people that are so tied into pornography that they can't even get an erection unless they're watching it. I've heard about these incredibly depraved situations where wives trying to, you know, serve their husband are holding the phone above their head with porn on it so that their husband can maintain an erection while they're having sex because they've rewired the pleasure centers of their brain to where they can't get an erection or keep an erection with an actual real warm bodied woman. They need it the digital way. They don't think that's an issue. And so if you're looking for a big blinking neon sign that says this is a year that we're going to get this under control, this is it. And here's the other thing I'll tell you, because I've had people ask me before, they're like, Kyle, I've got a pornography problem. How can I stop doing it? And I'm like, well, stop doing it. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you, you want to stop doing a particular thing. Stop doing it. Because I don't believe that most people that say they're addicted to pornography I don't think that that's actually real because if you're addicted, you're literally compelled in a way that you cannot stop. So you have, you have no power. You're like your body is just operating, right? You're picking up your phone. 
You're going to whatever site that you go to, you're clicking on links and you're going to the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one, until you find the one that you actually want to climax to. And then you do it, you set your phone down, you clean up and you move on with your day. And you just rinse and repeat that, no pun intended, multiple times a day, multiple times a week, or how often you do that. Are you compelled to do those things or do you choose to do them? Because my argument would be is I think that you are choosing to pick up your phone, choosing to take your finger, choosing to click on certain links, choosing to plug in search terms, choosing to scroll, choosing to click on images or videos, and choosing to continue doing that while you've got your pants around your ankles. I think all those things are choices. And so if you're choosing to do those things, is it not possible or logical to assume that you could choose to not do those things? Pretty sure you can choose to not do them. And here's the other thing. If you stop looking at, or here, I'll, I'll put it this way. If you stop looking at porn, you have no need to jerk off to porn. This might seem like a little crass for some people, but I'm assuming there's not anyone out there that watches porn for the acting quality that's happening, for the cinematography, for the editing, for the music. People are watching pornography so that they have a masturbatory aid. They're watching porn to get an erection so that they can masturbate and then climax. That's why they're doing it. So if you're not watching porn, you're not going to be jerking off to porn, right? People try to overcomplicate this. And I know there's different programs and different books that people say, oh, this is how we get past it. You know how you get past it? You just stop doing it. Now, it's different for chemical addictions like, uh, like alcohol for some people. There's just a propensity. There is a portion of the population that has tremendous amounts of difficulty uh, not going back to nicotine, not going back to, to alcohol, not going back to heroin or something like that. That's not this. This is just behavioral modification. Just stop doing it. You know, I remember back in the day, someone asked Jocko Willink, how can I get better at doing pull-ups? His response is, do pull-ups. Right? You're not going to get better at doing pull-ups by reading books about pull-ups, by going to support groups uh, that talk about doing pull-ups, by going to a pull-up coach and learning form. Eventually, you have to grab the bar, hang from it, and then try to pull your chin above it and do the things it takes to make sure that you can do that more often and better and more efficiently. And one more quick thing before we leave this. The thing that you all need to realize is a lot of the people that you are watching and getting off to and masturbating, thinking about a lot of these people, especially the women are being trafficked. So go back to last year, early last year, I had an interview with Brittany Delamora. She was a porn star for six or seven years. And then she got out of that life, became a Christian. Now she's, you know, a Christian speaker. Same thing with Joshua Broom with last year. But a lot of these women just off camera, when they're faking, like they're enjoying being penetrated so violently, so repeatedly over hours and hours, every single day, week on end, month on end, you know, quarter on end, year on end, is their pimp. Now, he may call himself their manager. That's how he would introduce himself. But he's their pimp. He's the one that's getting them the gigs, otherwise finding them the Johns, which is basically the way that you could think of it that way as well. But they don't get a choice. These women don't get a choice as to whether or not they're going to be there. They also don't get a choice as to whether or not they participate in whatever the director or producer or, you know, whoever's in charge tells them to do. So you've heard, and Brittany told a lot of these stories where they would sign a contract saying they were going to be doing certain positions with certain people at certain times and all those things. And then they show up and it's, you know, they didn't sign up for anal and here they are. It's an anal video. They didn't sign up for a gangbang, and here they thought one guy was going to be there, and there's 10. And guess what? 
They don't get to opt out. And it's not just about, oh, if you don't do this, you're not going to get paid. Again, their, their manager, quote unquote, which is to say their pimp, is like, you'll do this or you'll suffer the consequences. Brittany De La Mora had a minimum amount of money that she had to bring to her pimp every single day. I forget what the, the exact amount was. I think it was like two grand a day is what she had to make. Well, if she wasn't scheduled to do a scene, you know what she would do? She would go on Backpage, which was like the, you know, the, the dark Craigslist back in the day, and she would go you know, give hand jobs and blowjobs and have sex with random strangers until she made her minimum. And if she went above 2000 there wasn't a rollover to the next day. And so think about that. If you want a, a good opportunity to find a way to make your boner run away, think about the fact that that is someone who doesn't want to be there. They're basically chained there. They have to be there. And for you fathers with daughters, think about your daughter in this situation. I know that's going to be a little bit macabre and a little rough for some of you, but that's someone's daughter that you're watching potentially being raped against their will and you're using it for your sexual gratification. That's someone's daughter. What if it was yours? Would you want a bunch of nameless, faceless, loser men dropping their pants to their ankles and pleasuring themselves to somebody raping your daughter? Seriously, think about that. So, in 2024, if you're looking for a way to level up and avoid being a crappy man, no porn, no jerking off. All right, the number 11 way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, be known for what you are for and for what you are against. So this is a new one for 2024. I think this may have been one from last year. I can't exactly remember. But there are a lot of people now that are third wayers. These are people that are like, look, as a Christian, as a loving person, as someone who cares about humanity, don't just be known for what you're against. Be known for what you're for. And these morons think that that's something unique. They think that that's an incendiary idea. But you know what that is? That's a slogan. That's a bumper sticker. That's a t-shirt because, and I've said this a lot, but let me break it down for you guys. If you communicate that you're for something, you are automatically communicating that you are against other things. So let's take it to a sports analogy. So I'll just pick, you know, a baseball team. If you are for the Los Angeles Dodgers, that's your team. You are communicating that you are against the San Francisco Giants. If you are for the St. Louis Cardinals, you are against the Chicago Cubs. If you're for the Boston Red Sox, you are against the New York Yankees. I think I caught most of you with those analogies. When you communicate that you're for something, you are automatically communicating that you are against other things. And Christians and conservatives, I'll just lump you into one big category. You get wrapped around the axle about trying to be nice. Oh, I just want to be nice and I don't really want people to you know, think that I'm mean or judgmental. And so I'm just going to talk about the things that I'm for, not the things that I'm against. Or if you're a preacher and you're like, oh, you know, I'm just going to, I'm not going to get into the culture war and really dig into these divisive ideas. I'm just going to be about the gospel as if the gospel doesn't speak into those areas of darkness. Because what would the gospel say, the good news of the gospel say about the fact that millions and millions and millions of babies are murdered in the womb every single year around the globe? Does the gospel have an answer for that? You're damn right it does. Can the gospel speak into the identity issue that a lot of kids are going through right now because it's been foisted upon them by their public school teachers or by their TikTok videos or by all their different people that they follow on YouTube saying that, hey, you're not just kind of weird and socially awkward. What you are is the opposite gender or the opposite sex. Does the gospel have a message 
for that type of situation? You're damn right it does. And so these people that are walking around with this vapid ideology that if I just somehow never ruffle any feathers or never talk about these divisive, divisive issues, that things are just going to magically work out. That's not real. That's why we are equipping men to push back darkness because guess what? Darkness does not push itself back. Darkness doesn't choose to stop. Darkness has to be stopped. And you have to be trained and equipped to be able to do that. Or just like I talked about with making yourself a weapon from the very beginning of this episode, you will fall to the level of your preparedness and training. So in 2024, be known for what you are for and for what you are against. All right, the number 12 way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, don't pretend you know something that you don't. So this is a repeat from last year. This is basically relish the opportunity to look like an idiot. This is a big one for guys because we love to pretend we know things that we don't know. So maybe you're with a bunch of gearheads, guys that turn wrenches for a living, and you're pretending like you know something about how an engine works. <clears throat> maybe you're with a bunch of handymen, uh, you know, carpenters or plumbers or things like that, guys that know how to fix things. And you're pretending you know what a tool does when you don't know what it does. You're around a bunch of guys that are a fan of a particular sport and they're using the language of that sport. This is especially funny when people are watching MMA and you're pretending like you know those things when you don't. And guys, just don't do that. The number of times I get excited when someone's like, hey, do you know how this works? And I'm like, no, I don't. Do you know how it works? Well, yeah, I know how it works. Can you show me? Can you show me how that works? Hey, you know, in jujitsu, it's like, Hey, um, someone will be like, Hey, do you, do you know this position? And I'm like, no, I don't know that position. Can you show it to me? When I was out with Greg Lappin out in uh, Utah at Fieldcraft survival, he goes, Hey, do you know, do you work coyote guard very often? And what if I was like, Oh yeah, you know, I, I work coyote guard from, from time to time. That, that wasn't the truth. But what I said in that moment is I go, no, I've never even heard of coyote guard. Can you show me coyote guard real quick? And you know how excited that made Greg? Because he got to take something that he knows that he's an expert at and pass on that knowledge to somebody else. So think of a situation. Maybe it's building something or fixing something or developing something or increasing something or decreasing something or these types of things. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's business. Maybe it's personal growth. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's how you talk to your wife. There are people in your life that know how to do these things and you don't. So stop pretending like you've got it all figured out because I know most of you drive your nice new car and you drive it into your nice neighborhood with all the manicured lawns and you pull up into your driveway and then you get out and you're thinking to yourself like, oh man, I know I don't have it going on, but I need to make sure nobody else realizes that. Why? Relish in the opportunity to look like an idiot. Find that area that you just suck at. Find that person that can lead you down that pathway towards not sucking in those areas. That's another thing that I'm going to be announcing hopefully here soon is providing a pathway for a small number of men to be able to go down the road of spiritual, mental, and physical resilience better and more efficiently to level up in a lot of these different areas. But if you don't humble yourself to bring yourself to the table and think, I don't know how to do these things, I'm going to humble myself and allow a guide to lead me, then then how are you going to level up? You know, one thing that I've always, you know, I was so mad, you know, I didn't grow up fixing things, right? Because I was always doing sports in school. That was it. That's all I did. Sports in school and then church whenever I started going in middle school. And so I missed out on 
building things and fixing things. And these things that a lot of guys know, here's the thing. My dad knew a lot of these things, but he didn't show me because we didn't have the opportunity. It just never came up. And so I get frustrated in my twenties and thirties and all that. Like, I don't know how to do all these things. Well, it's like my wife one day was like, well, why would you expect to know how to do these things? You've never done them. If you've never thrown a spiral with a football, do you know the number of men that have been able to pick up that oblong, weird-shaped ball and just lace it 40 yards in a perfect spiral, tight spiral? No. That's the skill that has to be developed. And a lot of those guys, they worked at it or they had a guide show them. And so, guys, you're doing yourself a tremendous disservice by pretending like you've got all these boxes checked. You don't, and that's okay. So the number 12 way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024 Don't pretend that you know something that you don't relish the opportunity to look like an idiot. All right. The number 13 way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024. This is a new one for this year. Be extra nice to support staff and service providers. This is a big one for me because I'm naturally very nice to people just in general, right? I'm not going to overwhelm you with my niceness, but I'm very polite. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Could you please do this for me? Oh, thank you so much. Like those types of things. That was ingrained in me from a very early age. I would literally get in trouble if I didn't hold the door for somebody as I was walking through it, or if I didn't say thank you, like, you know, any parent worth their salt is going to teach their kids to do those things. But I see that go out the window with people when it comes to support staff and service providers. I've watched men that I love and respect speak to their secretary in a very, very rude way when they're just asking a question. I've seen people be very, very curt to the point of being offensive to people that were there to help them. I've seen people be nice to everyone in their life, everyone in their prayer group, everyone at their gym, everyone at their whatever, until they get to the restaurant and they treat the person serving them their food like they're an insect. And I just don't understand that at all. Now, I've talked about before and I've lamented the fact that if you go to any place where there's a service provider, these people basically don't want to give you the time of day. These people aren't paid well, or maybe they've got a bad upbringing or whatever, and they take their workday out on you by not being nice to you and not being extra helpful and not making eye contact and all of that. But that's a them problem. You don't get to control how they act. They get to, you get to control how you act. And so yesterday, I'm, this literally happened yesterday. I'm at Qdoba and I'm in line and, you know, it's like, hey, you know, what do you want? I'm like, okay, burrito. And then the person back to me, like, cause I was just expecting to quietly go through and yeah, I want this on it. I want this on it. And I pay and then I leave. Right. And the gal was so sweet. She just goes, how are you today, sir? And I literally whoop, look up at her, make eye contact. And I go, I'm, I'm having a great day. Actually. How are you? Oh, I'm having a great day. Did, did you have a good Christmas? I'm like, I'm in line at Qdoba. Like the number of times that an interaction like this has happened with somebody that works at Qdoba is basically never. I'm never rude to these people, but this was an extra nice situation. And think about if you had an opportunity to share the gospel with that person. This is, this is a great key that, that I think is great for all of you. When you get your food at a restaurant, at a sit-down restaurant, always ask this question because they always drop your food and then they say, is there anything else I can get you, right? It happens 95% of the time. Say, Yes, actually, we're about to bless our meal. Is there something specifically we can pray for you about? And then just shut up. A lot of times you'll get kind of a a surprised look. And sometimes you'll get like, a no, that's okay. Thank you for asking, though. Or you'll get everything up to like what I've used as an example. There was this guy that goes, dude, I'm two months sober today. 
I'm living in a home right now that I can only stay there if I keep this job and if I stay clean. And, you know, I, I still got some bad friends that I need to kind of get out of my life. So, dude, if you could pray for me about that, that'd be great. And I say, great, thank you for sharing. Would you like to stick around for us to pray? And most of the time they do stick around. And I don't do these big, long, flowery prayers. They're typically less than 30 seconds. But gosh, isn't that a great way to serve a service provider or a support person? You're praying for them. You're giving, maybe giving them hope, maybe leading to a gospel conversation. But so many of you, you have so many people in your life that depend on you. You try to be extra nice to your, extra nice to your wife, your kids, your business partners, your coworkers, your coaches, your trainers, and then you forget about everybody else. It's like you squeeze, you know, every amount of nice out in a particular situation and you just, there's nothing left to ring out, but be extra, extra nice to support staff and service providers. That's the number 13 way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024. All right. Number 14 way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024. This will be on every list. It has been up to now and it'll stay there. It's don't be late. Good grief. Don't be late. I'm a natural person. That's an early person, right? If we had to get to the ball field by four o'clock for a game, my dad had us there by 3.30, to get the latest. I was always the first kid to practice, first kid to the game. So I was born doing that, right? But for those of you people that are constantly late, what you're communicating to people is that your time is more valuable than their time. So I use a couple of these examples every year, but it just helps me elucidate the point. There was this guy, I think it was a, a guy in Australia. His buddy was his dentist. And so every time he would go to the dentist for a cleaning or a checkup or something like that, his buddy would allow people to get in front of him, right? Because so if his appointment was at one o'clock, he wasn't getting back there until one forty-five, two o'clock. And so this person is losing out on his day. <clears throat> and then finally one day he gets so fed up with it that he goes up to the front and says, hey, look, I'm just going to please give me my files. I'm going to change the dentist. Like y'all have made me late again. I'm not doing that. And so the dentist hears what's going on and he comes out there and he's kind of, you know, going to his friend like, hey, what's the problem? And he goes, dude, this is so rude what you're doing to me. You're making me wait because you don't think I'm going to be mad about it. But that is so rude. There's another guy, very good friend of mine, a former business mentor, that if he had an appointment at 10 o'clock in the morning, he would not go and get the person until about 10, 15, 10, 20, because he wanted them to wait on him. It was an ego thing. He wanted to seem more important. And, and less you know, accessible by being late. He was using lateness as a power play, as a tool, as a weapon. And then there's other situations that I've ran into where there are people that will actively make themselves late and then not care about you in the process and get mad at you if you point it out. So if you're late to a meeting, so let's say you're going to, I don't know, business meeting with your sales team or something like that. And let's say there's five people that go to this meeting. The four of them are there. They're ready for the 11 o'clock meeting and you stroll in at 11.10. Okay. You're thinking I'm 10 minutes late. It's not a big deal. I needed to get my, my mocha frappuccino or whatever. And I was in line and Hey, no big deal. Well, your 10 minutes late is not just about the 10 minutes. It's about everyone in the room times the amount of time multiplied by the amount of time that you were late. So four people were waiting on you for 10 minutes. So you didn't waste 10 minutes of time. You wasted 40 minutes of time. And if you have hundred people in the room and you're the last person and they waited to get going until you got there and you were 10 minutes late, it's a thousand minutes that you wasted a thousand. And people just do this constantly. And their, their refrain is, ah, I'm just a late person. Hey, everyone in my family was late. 
oh, you know, everybody in my culture, we're late. You know, time is just kind of relative. Well, we live in the West where time is not relative. Time is bound specifically by what time it is. So if you're supposed to be somewhere by nine and you're not there by nine, that's a problem. And here's the other thing. If you are running late, it happens. You were on your way out the door, kid threw up, had to change their clothes, had to do whatever. But guess what? If someone's expecting you to be somewhere at 11 o'clock and you know there's no way in hell unless teleportation is invented in that moment that you're going to be there on time, you know what you do? You let them know. Let these people know before you're late that you're going to be late. And so there's these people that they, they show up late and then they give their story. If they care at all, they'll be like, oh yeah, you know, kid threw up or blah, blah, and all those types of things. But if I don't know that you're, if you wait until you're late to notify me that you're not telling me anything I didn't know, I can watch the clock. I can look down at my wrist and see that you're late. So when you show up that like, you're not giving me any information that I didn't have. Same thing with deadlines. If your deadline is, I'm going to get this to you by end of business on Friday. And if you don't do it and there's no communication, what am I to expect? Did you get eaten by a crocodile? Did you fall off the edge of the planet because the earth is flat? Like, I don't know where you are. I don't know where my deliverable is. There is no benefit to being late. So why in the world would you practice that on a day in, day out basis? Be an adult. Be a mature human being. And avoid being late. Don't be late. That's the number 14 way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024. All right, just a few more left here. The number 15 way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, start giving things a once over. So this is a new one for this year. Start giving things a once over. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I feel like in modernity, we don't care about how things look or how they're read or anything. We just, we just want to put it down and then just send it, right? That's everybody's hashtag send it. That's all they want to do. So they write out a text. And they don't read it before they send it. And there's, there's errors, there's things that make the text almost unreadable. It's, uh, you're unable to discern what things look like. You're writing an email, whether it's to a friend or a business partner or something like that, and you don't give it a once-over, you don't read it beforehand. Or the worst one is when people are giving presentations. So they've got a, a Prezi or a PowerPoint or something like that, and you could tell this person did not read these things out loud. There are words that are misspelled. There are uh, punctuation marks that are missing that literally change the meaning of what they're trying to say. And guess what? People that can read and people that notice, they're distracted by that now. And I just don't understand why people don't take the extra few seconds to check things out. Now, mistakes happen. I've made mistakes on this show. Literally just today, I realized uh, an episode that I released last year was misnumbered. It's been misnumbered for like 10 months. And I had somebody pointed out on Instagram. It's like, oh God, you idiot. And it's like, of all the things that happened on that episode, it was the one mistake, but it was a significant one because I, and I had looked at it, but I just basically, before I posted it, I didn't give it a once over. So I certainly make this mistake as well. But when you're doing something, especially on a deliverable or when you're communicating with somebody, it's just a great practice to be in, especially if you're going to be up talking in front of people. I can't tell you how many times it just frustrates me to no end. When you see someone where it was such an obvious mistake, it's like, you're not just communicating to me that you made a mistake. You're communicating to me that it wasn't important enough for you to double check your work before you submitted it. I mean, just go back to high school when you're doing like a math test. Didn't you like go back and look at your work to make sure you hadn't made a mistake? 
Don't, didn't you go back in your five paragraph essay in your AP English class to make sure that you didn't leave out a comma or have some sort of comma splice or do some sort of weird verb tense change when you didn't need to? You didn't go back and reread it? Like, of course you did. Most of you worth your salt that wanted to be a level up and be a good performer would do those things. So why not do that in everyday life? So the number 15 way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, start giving things a once over. All right, just two more left. The number 16 way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, this is the same as last year, figure out what's going on locally and get involved. So this is a big one, especially for all you policy wonks out there, you people that are like following the national elections, like you're, you're so excited about 2024 because your guy Trump or, or your guy Biden or your guy whatever, you're ready for the election, you're ready to get things going. Well, I can tell you, whoever the president is does have an impact on your life. Whoever is a certain secretary, like obviously like Mayorkas, who's supposedly in charge of the southern border, like these, these national things do impact your life. But you know what impacts your life a lot more? Who your mayor is, who your sheriff is, who's on the school board. The, these local offices that you can't even name in your society or, or in your area. Because you spend so much time worried about what Donald Trump says or does and whether or not he's going to get elected that you forget about the fact that the mayor doesn't know who you are. And so if you have a problem that's going on in your city and you're trying to, you know, get the mayor to do something about it, well, they don't know you. They don't have a relationship with you. And you're going to have to go Google who they are because you don't even recognize this person. There are state houses and state senates that most of you guys can't even name what district you're in because you're so focused on who's going to win the Senate race in Pennsylvania. Now, I tell you all the time, when I talk about on this show, I have an international audience. So I can't talk to you about the mayoral race in Edmond, Oklahoma, because that's not really going to have a huge impact on you as my consumer audience, right? So it's a value to you to give you these larger concepts and these larger things that are happening on a national or international scale. But as for me and my house, the Thompson household, which is located in a zip code in Edmond, Oklahoma, it behooves me to make sure I know exactly who is, who is lording over me, right? You're going to take Romans 13 seriously. Who are these magistrates that are operating my city? Are they doing things that I want them to do? If the answer is yes, I will do what I can to make sure that they stay in office and get reelected. If they're not, it is incumbent upon me to discuss that with them and or figure out ways to get them out of office and to get people in there that will do the things that I think is right for me, my family, and my greater community. But you can't do that if you have no idea what's going on locally. So number 16 way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, figure out what's going on locally and get involved. All right, guys. And last but not least, the number 17 way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, focus on discipline, not motivation. I talk about this all the time, but I could give a crap less whether or not you're motivated to do the thing that you want to do. Let's take the previous 16 things that I talked about. If you came to me, and, you know, we're having a sit down meeting or something like that. We're trying to get you leveled up for 2024 and beyond. And you're like, well, Kyle, I'm not really motivated to do that. I'm not really motivated to having sports stop ruining my night. I'm not really motivated to become a weapon. I'm not really motivated to get my porn and jerking off thing under control. You know what my response to you would be? So? So? Is that an argument? I'm not motivated. Did you think you could say that to me? And I would be like, oh, well, gosh, 
excuse me for saying these things. You're just not motivated. So let's just not talk about it. Let's not push you towards those things because my, my gosh, you're not motivated. What am I to do? Like you certainly can't operate if you're not motivated. But here's the thing that I do know. There are a lot of you that are not motivated to do things that you do anyway. You're not motivated to go to work. And isn't it so funny? Like I know teachers, like elementary school teachers that they're late, everything they do in their life, but you know where they're not late to school. They can get to work on time. Isn't that weird? When that class is ready to go in the morning and, and all that, they're not waiting on the teacher to be there. Where's Mrs. Smith? There's none of that. She's there. But in every other area of her life, she's not motivated to be on time, so she's not on time. Again, I could give a crap less about motivation. It's the discipline that gets you through. Because I've, I've done some, some speaking engagements and some private meetings where people will say things. They're like, well, Kyle, you're obviously a very disciplined guy naturally. What about for the rest of us? How do we do the things that you're saying that we should do? And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. I'm not going to let you get away with that because what you're trying to do is split a category. You're not putting all of humanity in the same category. You're saying, well, there are the haves, the people that are born with discipline, and then there's everybody else. I'm in the everybody else category. So what do you have for me? And the thing is, it's like, you're talking about motivation. I don't care if you're motivated or not. It's whether or not you get done what needs to be done. Because here's the thing. When I woke up early this morning to go work out of my gym and I'm working through some injuries and some, some ailments right now, so I can't work out the way that I normally do. So I was super not motivated to do the workout that I needed to do or chose to do this morning. Not motivated at all. So when my alarm went off, I had a decision to make. Am I going to be driven by motivation or driven by discipline? But guess what? I had already pre-decided that I wasn't going to wait and see until I was the next morning whether or not I was motivated. Because that's what a lot of you guys do. You wait until the moment comes to decide whether or not you're going to do the thing. Working out's the easiest one. So you set your alarm as if you're going to wake up and work out, but you're going to decide in the moment when your alarm clock goes off. So when you're warm in your bed and when the thought of getting up and moving your body is, is nowhere near the front of your brain, that's when you're going to decide whether or not you're motivated enough, whether or not you have enough energy. That's part of the reason why, again, I'm wearing this Garmin watch. A great buddy of mine gave me this watch, and I'm so thankful for this watch. It's a really cool watch. It can do a lot of different things. But there are people that will open up their Garmin app in the morning to see how they slept. They'll look at their body battery and then decide whether or not they're going to work out because of what their app says. I could tell you all this much. I could give a damn about what an app says or what my watch says about what I should do that day. Because I'm not going to let motivation or some outside source dictate what I do with my life. I'm going to let discipline dictate what I do with my life. Guys, you know how many times, and I'm sure you've done this the same way. Gosh, you just don't want to read the Bible. You're in a part of a particular book that's just confusing. Maybe there's some parables that don't make any sense. And, and maybe the last time you read through commentaries, it made it worse and you were still confused. And gosh, you're just not motivated. You think God's like, okay, my son. Okay, my daughter. You're not motivated. So stop seeking me because your motivation's low. Really? No. What would God say to you if he was talking to you directly like how I'm talking to you right now? It's like, okay, we'll do it anyway. Well, why? Because I said so. So maybe that's what you need. Maybe, maybe I get to be your, your bad guy or whatever scenario you need to create in your head. So you're like, oh, I'm not motivated to work out. Imagine I'm sitting there like right down and just saying like, yeah, but you're going to go work out. Well, why, Kyle? Because I said so. Okay, I guess I'll go and do it. 
Well, hey, uh, you should read this book. Well, I'm not motivated to read this book. We'll do it anyway. Why? Because I said so. Read this book. It's going to make you better. Do it. Do it now. You have one week. Finish this book. Again, if you allow motivation to dictate whether or not you level up as a man, <clears throat> whether or not you check the boxes, whether or not you're a good family man, whether or not you're going to be selfish in a moment versus serving in a moment, it's because you're letting motiv- motivation dictate exactly how you act. Stop doing that. The last way to avoid being a crappy man in 2024, focus on discipline, not motivation. All right, guys, I appreciate you sticking here for every one of these. Uh, it's just a great list. Use the list however you want. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So here in the show notes, we've got the links to the Origin website and Jocko Fuel, so you guys can use our promo code Undaunted to get 10% off, but also our brand new partner, Logos Bible Software. Just like I told you, the link is right here. So you can go to Undaunted, or sorry, it's Logos.com backslash Undaunted Life. Logos.com backslash Undaunted Life. That is right here in the show notes. Guys, if you're going to study the Bible at all and you want more tools, this is the best way to get after it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also we want to thank the band Holy Name for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song, Perpetua, which is off their self-titled debut album on Facedown Records. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>